welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. And we're rolling. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. I'm sitting here at a dinner table, just finished up eating an immaculate meal with two good buddies, Torsten Luth and Jim Miller. What's up, dudes? Not too much. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> well, you know well, I'm I know, good. Yeah, I know how you are, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've, uh, we've had a pretty good weekend. Good few days. Thanks for coming over, Jim, by the way. No problem. Did you see our live feeds or something? You had to like come enjoy the fun. I did. I did. I saw the, the, the choppy first one that you were too far away from the the first Instagram one. That was all. Oh, the one blurry. where we were in the garage and the yeah. Wi-Fi didn't work and the yeah. internet exploded with people telling us that they yeah. couldn't see anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then we moved the target inside and did did a, um, a full live feed from inside Torsten's basement um, against... His wife's will, which is, we've all been there. I mean, been there, done that. Yeah, shot doors. That's what toothpaste or spackle is for, really, for archery accidents. Mm -hmm. They happen. That'd be a good T-shirt. Just have like a hole (laughs) with a doorknob next to it, (laughs) and then just hashtag it it happens. happens. (laughs) Um. No, this has been pretty cool. Just for everyone listening, I came to New York kind of on a whim, actually. I have um, this podcast will follow the podcast that I did with Don Trump Jr., which um, I was really happy to finally do. Uh, He's actually been a friend for a long time, and um, they've been super good people, and he's been been definitely one of my good buddies in the outdoors and both of you torsten is new it's kind of interesting we'll get into how you and i met and everything like that um for those of you listening you've actually heard podcasts in the past with jim and i jim for those of you who don't know is ufc fighter and what was that your 26th fight you just had right yeah 26 how many people have done 26 fights professionally Uh, in the ufc i think like six maybe five or six there are only there are three people that have 27 and that's matt hughes uh tito ortiz and michael bisping um i think at 26 there's only one or or two other fighters so tito's not coming back yeah tito's not matt's not not Bisping is still fighting, but uh, that's going to be good too. He's going to fight GSP mm-hmm. in July for UFC two twelve two thirteen two thirteen. Gosh, are you going to? Well, it's a big card, and uh, have you? Are you going to go in? They, they kind of like it when I'm on big cards because I show up. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I go down in flames, but hey, you know what? I still show up and I still fight. So. Well, I don't know if I want to wait that long though. That's the problem. If you do, we can bear hunt together. That's true. Damn it. <laughs> yep. If you do, we can bear hunt together, and 
gosh, we've already, we're already down so many different roads we can go down, but last time I saw you was at UFC 200, which was supposed to be the biggest card in history, and that actually was in July, Mm -hmm. and you beat the, you beat the dog shit out of a guy. (laughs) That was an awesome fight. So I don't think I don't think they're worried about you just showing up. I think they know that you're going to show up and be spectacular. You are spectacular. Thank you. I know you don't. I don't. I know you don't. You're not going to say that. I wouldn't say that kind of thing about myself either. But so Torsten, you're new to everybody. Um, yep. Should do you feel comfortable introducing yourself? Yeah, my name's Torsten. Um, I live in upstate New York and. I live in New York City, and um, I got a bow a few years ago, and then I started to seriously try to learn how to shoot it at some point last year, came around your podcast, and um, tried to follow the instructions as good as I could, and um, tried to hit the target. You're obviously not from New York, just so... (laughs) People listening. Um, yeah, so this is not a this is not a, a New York accent. No, I'm German. Um, I came here. I lived in England for 15 years, and then I came here 10 years ago. I think 10 years ago, and um, lived in the city for eight, and then moved upstate a while you, ago. Can we talk about your background? Sure, a little. Tell us what's up. I mean, I know. But I don't want, sometimes, well, is it easier for you if I'd say? Yeah, I mean, we, like, I work in the music industry. Um, I look after the um, international marketing for Atlantic Records. So I basically look after everything that concerns Atlantic Records outside of the U.S. That's what I do. I've done that for, as I said, 10 years here. And before that, I did it about 15 years for Sony Music in the UK. So you've got 25 years with Atlantic Records. You were literally the guy like with bands like Oasis, Kid Rock. Yeah. I traveled... I mean, I've did that's 12 years. <laughs> I've traveled 10 to 12 years with Oasis. I used to be really close to Lemmy when um, in the 90s... Um, I toured the world with big DJs, Fat Boy Slim. I've worked with Jay Z. Um, yeah, I know. I know people that other people know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say so. But what's so awesome is, um, you actually heard a podcast, or you listen to the podcast. This is kind of an interesting loop. Shows you how we never know what's up. But you listen to a podcast. You knew that. I was into hunting, then you knew, you heard the podcast with me and Joe. Yep. And um, then when you knew, Joe and I did a podcast, you knew Joe was really into hunting, so you're listening to Brogan's podcast, and then you ended up telling your wife, um, codenamed DB4, who works with Q Prime, who works with Metallica. Yep. So you told DB4, you guys should really hook Metallica and James up. With Rogan. Yep. And um, that's really the whole conversation. And the next thing is, um, I hear Hatfield on Rogan's podcast. <laughs> that's unbelievable. So, so it worked well for all of us, I think. Yeah, it did. Well, and I worked with, I built bows for James in the early 2000s. 
And then when the, some kind of monster thing happened and he went into rehab, it was a total disconnect from everybody. And it was he was hard enough. The channels to get to him was a process. And then once he went into rehab, it was like a disconnect. And then it was just like the magical unicorn is no longer, I mean, it's untouchable. Yeah, he does. He does. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know James Hatfield, but I assume he does what he wants to do and he lives his life. And if as I, a hunter, as a hunter in Colorado, I think he said on the podcast, Vail, yeah. Colorado. And um, that's what he does. Well, we've been shooting. Torsten and I have shot for three, day, two and a half, two days. Two, yeah, two days. And uh, Jim came in last night or this morning. Um, kind of after knowing that I was here last night and then we all shot together today, did a live feed and, uh, we just had an unbelievable meal. We're actually sitting at a table with just the remnant leftovers of a meal. And there was one subject you wanted to get on or you started to talk about at dinner and I said, we need to save that. So Torsen has never hunted, which is pretty interesting because... Two things. One, I know that he really wanted to hunt, um, and obviously you're super interesting. So I invited you on the annual spring turkey hunt. Spring yes. turkey hunt for the belt, which is coming to New York if things go well. <laughs> Otherwise, it could also go to New Jersey from what I hear when I look at my brother next next to me. Yeah, yeah. So you two are hoping it comes northeast. Um, Jed Larkin from UA is hoping it comes. Geez, I didn't even think about that. I've kind of, I'm kind of a one man <clears throat> band in this thing because Jed's from Maryland. Uh, Andrew, also from Maryland, and then who else do we have coming? Oh, Ben O'Brien is coming, so he's at least from Texas, and then we've got Ray Borg coming from New Mexico. So someone's gonna win that belt. I think it's me. Yeah, and that's that's totally <laughs> cool for you to think because you know we all have our hopes and dreams mm -hmm. and you know sometimes they come true. However, at least two of us on this side of the table know that the belt is coming to the east coast. Yeah, at least the northeast. Yeah, or northeast. Yeah. I don't know whether Jersey is east. is that does it count as? Uh, kind of. Yeah. It's north it's more north than Maryland, that's for sure. Yeah. So and it's and, over the river from New York, so it's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for those of you who did not watch the live feed that we did today on Facebook, probably by the time this podcast is out, I'll have it on YouTube. But we did some shooting in the backyard. Actually did a lot of questions and answers from the viewers. Got them some pretty good details. And then at the very end, we had everyone takes one shot at this turkey target. And... Jim, I will give it to you. The probability of me beating that arrow was probably 1% at best, statistically. Because you shot dead on the line, 12 on a, on a walking Reinhardt turkey target, which is, I mean, I would have literally had to ride the left side of your shaft to, to beat that out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's uncomfortable for some people. Yeah. I'm not from here, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Europeans definitely are cool with, with that kind of talk. It's fine. Um, but 
nevertheless, I shot. My arrow flew like like dog crap. And Torsten actually had the best killing shot when it comes to the actual placement of the arrow. I, yeah, the belt did not come to stay in, in Iowa with my no. shot. And we learned lots of things from that. I think I learned that, you know, the first time shooting under pressure, I immediately forgot everything that we discussed. <laughs> we immediately forgot everything that we discussed for the last two and a half days and just tried to get that arrow toward that target. Um, that was a good lesson. I think you learned that you should have sh checked your arrows before you shoot them. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, I think that's a, that's a good lesson to learn. You know, don't just shoot blind every arrow that hand somebody hands you. Just yeah, have a quick look. actually, that's a very, very good lesson because for a couple of reasons. One, when there's only one arrow left and Jim hands it to you, because I was shooting his bow, and it's the arrow that he had set to the side because the fletching was half hanging <laughs> off. <laughs> that is not necessarily true. <laughs> no, I literally waited until the live feed was done and I go, I didn't want to say anything, but that arrow flew terrible, and he goes... Yeah, one of them kind of does. <laughs> and then we look, and then one vein's hanging off of it. So, nevertheless, that's an important thing because arrow inspection is critical because a good friend of mine, um, Thomas, who you've seen in the first few seasons of the show, he actually was in an archery shop shooting a league night. Someone had a bow that they were shooting that he really liked. And... He just said, hey, dude, you know, you mind if I shoot your bow to see what it feels like? Because I think he had one model, and he was kind of debating whether he should have got this other model. So the guy said, yeah, fine. He gave him his bow, and he put it, you know, the guy gave him an arrow, and he pulled back to shoot. And before that end, the guy had shot a really good group, and they could hear the arrows crashing together. The guy never inspected the arrows, and when Thomas fired, the arrow had been, it had been pretty much canoed. And the arrow broke in two and shot all through the back of his hand. So he ended up having to go through several surgeries. Happened and to the... Sorry. Go for it. Happened to the UPS guy who delivers my mail here. Really? He had um, a carbon arrow exploding in his hand. And when I'm saying exploding in his hand, you know, I probably... It's not like dynamite. It's not like dynamite, but, you know, carbon then splitters. They picked out carbon out of his hand for six months yeah like at various bits yeah and it's still and they still work up and he's actually for him it got to the point where his nickname was shaky mcfitz because <laughs> it's rude because of what happened it wasn't his fault but he got to the point where even he was saying this is ridiculous because at full draw his bow hand would just tremor and he couldn't get it to stop. So he's actually switched to shooting the left hand now just so that he doesn't have that tremor. But that's a real valuable lesson. And, you know, when you shoot, if you're shooting, if you're a decent shooter and you're shooting to the point where you're cramming arrows into one spot, it's critical that you inspect them. And as target archers, you know, there's been times where, um, you know, when you're at a tournament and you're shooting at a professional level, on the last day they start to peer group, you know, top four archers and then five through eight. So, you know, there was days where I was on a target with Dave Cousins, Rhea Wild, Braden Guillantine, or there was days where I was on a target with Jesse Broadwater and Chris White, you know, or whatever. And 
you literally have four of the best archers in the world shooting at the same exact target face at 30 meters. And I mean, there was arrows cramming into the target. And you spent a lot of time as an archer pulling those arrows and walking back from the target, inspecting the arrows. And if there was anything even in question, you just pulled the knock off of it, put it in your quiver, and either inspected it further later or just threw it away because it's really not worth that. I mean, that's a good, if nothing else, that's a good safety notice because that happens all too often to people and it's it's um, it's something that you could prevent it if you just took a little time and inspected your arrow. And I bet lots of people don't do it. I mean, I never did it until I heard the horror stories. Mm -hmm. You know, when I shoot in a range in Brooklyn, I've never seen people, even if they shoot tight groups, inspecting the arrows. You just pull them out, you're happy that um, you're happy that you shot a great group and if your fletching's messed up, then yes, that probably affects it. But I have never seen people really shooting to bending arrows to check whether the carbon's okay. Well, you're so, supposed to roll the carbon arrow on your leg. You know, if you hold both sides of the arrow and you roll it up and down your leg, you'll hear like kind of cracking noises if there's any fracturing in the carbon. And it even says that on the arrows, I think, the warning label, yeah, you should them. always inspect them first. Shooting lighted knocks, um, lighted knocks because it's multiple pieces constructed. A lot of times if you really hit the back of lighted knocks, you know, you have a battery slid inside of a piece and you have the light slid inside of a piece. So you really have to pay attention. If I'm shooting lighted knocks, especially, I really don't like to shoot at the same target unless it's at a really far distance where the probability is lower that I'm going to slap arrows together. But if I get down there and they have slapped together, I definitely take note. And another thing too is if you replace your knocks, make sure you use some string wax on the knock before you insert it in because it really helps you prevent actually fracturing the knock from jamming it in the arrow shaft and then having to twist it. I mean, that little stuff like that goes a long way. And if you're listening, Make sure that you do it because we've warned you. Yeah, I actually, uh, Pat was was shooting his bow, and uh, we were shooting together, and he, he had he had bought this this old bow from somebody, got a you know less than a dozen arrows with it. Yeah, all beat up, and uh, you know we were trying to trying to get it sighted in and he he shoots a string and I think he had a, a nice tight group I was like oh you know we should we should flex test those and he's like what's that I was like well you just grab the arrow like this and you give it a little flex and as I flex his first arrow boom it, it just popped and he was like what the hell <laughs> he's like you just broke my arrow I was like Pat I was like if it wasn't you know uh, like if the integrity wasn't you know uh, strong enough yeah like if, it was, if it wasn't cracked or something like that to begin with I was like it's a carbon arrow I'd be yeah. cranking on that thing yeah. and if it when it went it would rattle my hands you know like like hitting a baseball right yeah. the, the, yeah, near the no grip question. that was the best 12 bucks ever invested in yeah. life because you know what <laughs> these hospital bills in America yeah. they come high when you have to pull out carbon bits out of uh -huh. your hand. oh yeah no question well Torsten we, you know, he's obviously coming on the turkey hunt, um, but we actually got in the subject during, during dinner about, 
you know, kind of the cost or price of what some of these people are paying for like governor tags or auction tags. Um, and you two had rack of lamb. I had a pork chop. And we were talking about, okay, if rack of lamb is this good, how good is stone sheep? Because I can't afford one. So I'm just assuming I'm never going to eat one. Um, and we talked about how expensive those are. And then in that conversation, um, Torsten's like, you know, he, well, you have no, you had no idea. Well, I had no idea that, I mean, I just don't know anything about the limitation of hunting anyway. I don't know how it works. I've never done it. If you hadn't told me how to get that tag in the middle of the night from that website in Iowa, (laughs) man, that sounded to me like a rather complicated, you know, thing. And I got up and did it. But, you know, if someone would say, I want to shoot whitetail in New York, mm-hmm. then you yeah, no I had idea. no, I, I would have no idea where to go to to get the tag. I mean, I've got my bow hunters safety card. safety card, and I've got my hunting safety card, and I did all of that. But when it comes to the actual, the actually getting the tag, shooting the animal, and then knowing what to do afterwards. It's just like no one, no one tells you, and uh, no one. I don't know anybody who knows. So that's, that's so good for me, perspective-wise, because I think if you're listening and you've never, you don't know that aspect, and you're getting into archery and you stumbled upon the podcast, and that's something that I want to focus on um, is making sure that I really almost go back to the very, very beginning and try to make sure I'm educating. To stuff that to a lot of us that are hunters would seem obvious, but to some of those listening, there I'm sure there's people then just like you that don't know like how do I get a tag? Where do I need to go? Um, you know, and I guess from the tag aspect, you want to take over. I mean, you're from you're from right here, so tell them what he needs to do. Well, I mean, state to state, it's it's definitely different. Um, yep. You know, I believe that I've gotten a couple of fishing licenses in, in New York. I haven't had the opportunity to hunt here yet, but um, it's going to, you have your hunter's education certificates, so it's going to a sporting goods shop. Um, sometimes general stores and stuff like that will sell them as well. And um, Walmart sells them in, yeah. like in Iowa throughout the Midwest. You can go to, all, to, yeah. I, or to Walmart. Um, yeah, and then just then it's just purchasing the the tag itself. Um, and then it all depends on the state and the seasons. Um, the way New Jersey works is to get your, your hunting license. Your hunting license covers uh, fall and winter archery and six-day firearm. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, twenty eight fifty or whatever it is. And then if you want permit archery, it's another twenty eight fifty, And then, uh, you know, you can get permit doe days or muzzle load or anything like that and you, you just kind of they keep adding it on so you, before you know it, you're spending 200 bucks but uh but you're not the the part of that is you go from saying i just want to hunt mm-hmm. to how do i hunt all year like yeah. how do i how do i get the most days out there yeah <laughs> i want to i want i like my buck tag but how do i get those bonus mm-hmm. tags how do i hunt the extra season doe season um I personally think the best thing you could do 
is to call, like, find out who your local game warden is and just call them and just say, hey, you know, is there any way when you're in this area we can arrange a time for you to come by, you know, really tell me what I need to get. And um, I know my local game warden is really good about that. You know, even if you've, even if you've never hunted and you think that you've bought what you need, I think if you're just starting, it's worth the call to call before season starts and say, this is what they gave me at Walmart or this is what they gave me at Billy Bob's Sports Shop. Is there anything else I need or is this what I need? And they'll, and I think most, you know, game wardens will help you right out. They'll say, actually, probably, you know, you needed the, like in Montana, you need a bow and arrow actual license even though you have even though you've bought the license to hunt elk or deer you have to actually pay to get the bow and arrow portion which is just it's small fee but it's separate yes when i bought that when i bought the tag in iowa the one you you told me to get right i bought something else like i bought some hunting habitat li- fee habitat, habitat fee license. and i think i actually bought a hunting license too because you of have that. to yeah so i had to do that so that's yeah. good but no one says you know there isn't a Manual, if you're not from here and you want to shoot turkey, you need the following four pieces of paper. Yeah, to get it, it just gets complicated and it's all weird language. Um, but yeah, I agree. There's times where, as sportsmen, even if you mean well, you go to a to a place where you haven't been, and it's almost scary to know that you can break the law without having intent and again i know i know from experience the best thing you can do especially if you're new to this or you're hunting a place where you've never hunted before is to make a call to the local dnr Um, and it gets tricky too because there's been times where i've called the dnr office and they'll say something you know you'll there'll be a There'll be say there's a rule that says like no electronic devices. Well, to aid in game, you know, to aid in harvesting game or something like that. Well, then you call and say, well, so can I not use a rangefinder? Well, you can use a rangefinder, but you can't use, you know, a light on your sight pins or whatever it is. And then you, if you say, well can you send me an email back saying that they'll be like, well, it's really up to the discretion of the, and it's like, okay, wait a minute. That's like a gray area. I don't, I don't want to be in the discretion of the warden. So making those calls. And if you're brand new, even just getting a reply back in email, I think is probably good advice right now and could, could benefit you in the long run. Um, both of you guys have worked with, me a little bit or I guess I've worked with you guys with your shooting and stuff so Torsten you're new so I like the direction of like podcasts for you know new archers that are listening what type of things did we get into that helped you or that like really what were things that wouldn't necessarily be something that you would have understanded through a podcast or maybe if you would have trying to self-teach through web searching or looking at articles or stuff like that is there anything that stands out um well i I just think that the reality is different than the theory so i kind of can listen to your podcast and i've done this for the last year and even if i had written down everything you said 
and would meticulously follow it. It's still something where I don't know that I'm pulling my boat too hard because I'm thinking I'm doing it right. And the fact that I'm not actually doing right is super difficult if no one tells you that. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking my right elbow goes high because I like, I know that um, you're looking at a picture of me shooting. I'm looking you. at a picture of right. you shooting, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm lifting my elbow. No, when I'm pulling my bow back, I don't see my elbow. Right. And and suddenly, I learned that my elbow was nowhere near the word high. Some people would say it was really low. Yeah. And now I have to have to change that. And I think that um, those those two things definitely. Um, were things that I was totally unaware that if I just try to pull that bow back to overcome the fact that it's really heavy and aim and pull much too hard, yep. um, then things get bad, that my elbow isn't it where it's supposed to be, then things go back. And I think that those two things jump immediately um, to my mind as things that I now know I have to work on, you know, strength is another one because it takes, it's, you know, bows are heavy. And even if you think or one thinks that it's all cool and you're pulling that bow back the right way, maybe you're putting it back the wrong way just because you don't know better. Yeah, well, we talked, for you and I, you could, you actually could pull your bow back just fine, but you weren't pulling your bow back the way I explained it was yeah. with efficiency. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about he's not pulling it back in a fashion that allows him to get into the end result foundation without exerting energy that isn't necessarily needed or going through improper movements to like get you into that proper form without having to fully adjust your body while you're at full draw. I mean, essentially, we want to be able to know, you know, we're at point A. We want to be able to raise the bow and then get to point B without kind of going to point C, then point D, then point, you know, we don't, we don't want to go all these different directions to end up in the same exact spot. I want you to go from this spot to this spot with as minimal effort as possible. And after repetition, that starts to become almost more repeatable because you're not utilizing so many different muscles are having to correct yourself, you know, in so many different ways. Um, photos or videos obviously are eye-opening, right? Definitely. I think when, you know, when you talk about the website and that you're giving people the opportunity to actually, in, in different tiers, look at their pictures and giving them advice, I think that's at least how I understand. That's just invaluable because someone to actually... Like, if I'm standing out here, my wife can look at me and she'll say, yo, it looks great, mm -hmm. yep. but she doesn't, she's no archer. Mm -hmm. And no no other archers, that, at least that I know, that could teach me uh, any, anywhere around me. So it's super easy to learn it the wrong way, even if you're following everything by the book. And I think photos, super helpful. When I send you those pictures and you emailed me back saying, man, that changed things for yeah. everybody. yeah. And it's not like, I would say, well, one, you're very, you're very detailed in absorbing information. So you've listened to a lot. You, 
you really feel like you apply everything you absorb. I try to, yeah. And a lot of people aren't even to that point. So I would say, based on the fact of you're new to archery, fairly, fairly new to archery, when you sent me your pictures, I mean, I told you, dude, this like this will happen fast because you were, you know, seven and a half, eight out of ten. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are self-taught that are sitting around a five and they struggle and struggle and struggle. And the unfortunate reality is sometimes people step away from archery because they're not having fun at it. Whereas with you, you were at a point where you could go to a next level very fast because you had applied everything that you thought you knew and you thought you were doing it right, but there was just a few things that you were missing until you had someone to actually show you face-to-face or even show you through photos. That's when it all came together. And um, I haven't asked you, but, I mean, are you... If you were to rate your happiness with where you were two or three days ago or where you were last weekend versus where you were today. I mean, well, well super happy. Um, it couldn't have been better. Um, I think I've, I'm definitely shooting better. I mean, I went out there and took pictures of my some of my 40-yard groups that I haven't even shown you yet. I was, like, super proud of that. And then I also know when, when I look at pictures that we took and I, I see, you know, Jim here shooting, I know what I do wrong and what I need to work at. And now that I know what I need to work at, if someone would take a picture of me in two weeks time, I can judge myself. Right. So this is not just about, um, this is not just about learning something because someone shows it to you. It's some, you know, enabling, you enabled me to look at myself with the help of others who might not know and just find the the mistakes when I make them. And that's super, that's invaluable. Yeah. Well, and that's ideally as a coach or for my, it's not job security for me, but I want to get to the point where I can help people identify. If I can coach you to the point where you're able to almost self-assess, at least at a level that would make you above average you know maybe not at a professional level where things really get detailed but if you're able to self-assess then that is what you have to have to progress because i'm not a, i'm not you know a torsten luth full-time coach you know it's not like u.s archery has hired me and you're at my facility and every day you see me for practice the reality is you and i got here on friday afternoon and today it's Sunday afternoon and I'm leaving and you're going to have to be able to rely on using the things that I showed you to be able to help yourself yes. or be able to have small follow-up. And I think it's important because I don't, I think a hindrance to people in any sport is when they become dependent on their coach. I mean, would you agree with that, Jim, even in your field? Definitely. Yeah. You know, like, as a as a fighter um you know when you step inside the octagon it's it's only you right and the way that i've always looked at it is i don't it it shouldn't matter where 
uh, you know, who's in my corner? Like, yeah. I obviously, my corner is there to, you know, and my coaches are there to help me, to help me assess what's going on in the fight, to help guide me through the fight, and to be there to pick me up at the end of the fight if I can't stand under my own power. Yeah. Um, but if I were ever to fight a teammate or leave a gym and fight somebody that's at the old gym or something like that, I personally don't think that it should ever matter who's who's standing across from me because it's a fight and it's and it's real time and the things that I did, you know, if I trained with somebody for five years and they knew every move that I did, if I have six months and I'm a professional and my job is to get better every time I'm in the gym, in that six months where they weren't with me, I should be able to make improvements and I should be yep. a different fighter. Um, so I... Like, I love the guys that I have in my corner and my coaches, but at the same time, I don't feel that I need to rely on them. Yeah. You know, and, and that's exactly it. It's like, it's, I like the guidance, I like the help, but when it comes down, you know, when push comes to shove, archery is the same thing as fighting. It's, yeah. it's only you, you yeah. know, you're the only one releasing that arrow. Yep. And uh, there's, there's definitely some parallels. And then, well, and for those of you listening, if you're on the Northeast Coast and want a really awesome place to go and learn mixed martial arts or train or just stay in really good shape and have fun, um, Miller Brothers, that's the place to go. You want to, you want to give, you want to like give your do details. You do, do a commercial. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do <laughs> it. Miller Brothers ever made point to Gail Court. <laughs> yeah, do you it. Definitely tell people yeah, where it is. Yeah. we've got a we've got a. 7200 square foot facility in, in uh, Sparta, New Jersey. 22 Gale Court, Sparta, New Jersey. It's, uh, you know, within 50 miles, there's there's nobody that has the experience that we have. And, and uh, you know, I have 26 fights in the UFC myself. My brother has, uh, I think, 13 or 14. Um, so you're looking at 40, 40 UFC fights between the two of us. Yeah. Um, our coaching staff are guys that we have worked with over the last, you know, near decade. So um, anybody that's that's instructing is is somebody that we trust. Yep. Um, you know, and it's also we're a we're a big family. We're a close knit family, and we're uh, we're close. So it's a it's a it's a pretty sweet atmosphere to to have a tight group. But if you're working with someone, you know, say you have the next. Jim Miller come in to the gym you're going to be happy when you've given him the tools to be able to to train himself and not always say coach am I doing that right Mm -hmm. I mean I want I want to have after a certain amount of time I want to be able to have my student be able to you know just like today Torsten, you went in the other room and you actually watched the live feed so that you could kind of see what everyone else was watching from like when people watch you shooting, you wanted to see that perspective. And you were like yelling in from the other room, I see now my elbow is way lower than I thought. And you're, it's actually bothering you because what you know from the information I gave you versus what you see, you are able to distinguish that now. Yeah, that's. I think that's that's key. That's super important because otherwise, how would you become better? So you know, the fact that I've got video of me that I can now look at, and I've got Jim standing next to me, 
And now if someone doing it right and me doing it not as right, not as right as I wanted to be, yep. and I can see that, then at least I know what I have to thrive for. And if I would, you know, take anybody who knows nothing about archery and say, film me in three months time and I can look at it again, then I know whether I'm better or worse, but I definitely have me standing there next to someone who's really good and I can compare it. Yep. Yep. Are there any questions either one of you want to ask me that could be relative to those listening, things like that? Things that we haven't, maybe things we didn't talk about this. Do you want to talk about your website and when it goes up and when people have, <laughs> when people have this the opportunity to, through whatever mystic digital things to get to this point where on various levels they can have some of that themselves? Well, what I, what I do want to say is we're getting closer. The reason it's not live yet is because it's not like we're able to utilize something that's like on Squarespace or something where we're just doing a drag and drop. We actually have to take the hundreds of articles that I have from the past and convert them over to a new for, format to where they go in. I'm also wanting to update the photos to where the photos and the products that I refer to within those articles are actually current. Um, and then obviously there's so many different videos now. We're trying to load the videos directly to the website versus everything like linking always going to a secondary channel to come through. And all that stuff just takes time between the galleries and especially the articles and the videos it's just you know we can only do a few a day and i've been doing this for 20 years so i'm trying to you know accumulate all this into one location in the the other thing that you know that sucks for those listening is um i have not done a good job personally nothing i have ever done actually made a reference or a connection to a Google search engine. So, you know, with everything that I have, people should be able to type in learn archery and immediately the first thing that comes up is all of this information. Um, all of the podcasts, you know, need to be, they all need to be like pretty much closed caption to where all that, every single word within those goes within that, those search engines and stuff. And we're just trying to maximize when we do flip the switch that all that happens at one time. And ideally, um, I guess what I can tell you is there will be different tiers. Um, there's going to be a tier that's free. So obviously I want to be able to still offer um, cool stuff for people that are, you know, that come and listen for people that watch you know, that are able to tune into a live feed, you'll be able to see that live feed. But, you know, I'm also going to have subscription-based stuff just so that I'm able to take those live feeds and pay to have them put together properly so the audio and the video content's better and put them together. So, you know, there's going to be different levels, different tier levels based off a lot of the surveys that all you guys did. Um, and within those different tier levels, certain people are going to have more access or the ability to access me for um, either video coaching or in some, you know, some cases if I decide to do it, you know, one-on-one -on -one or personal coaching sessions. 
Um, but, you know, I'm trying to make sure a lot's changing in the outdoor industry. And the main thing is, you know, we can't make this stuff function for nothing. So we have to, um, we have to be able to, to do it right. And, and with doing it right and having these, there's costs involved. So we're trying, I'm trying to provide more of the end consumer, um, so that I can justify, you know, ultimately charging for lessons or charging for information that I'm going to put out just for those people, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I think it's great. You know, if someone, if, if there was a, if there was an archery coach in wherever we are right now, that was good. I would hire him and I would have to pay him. You know, I don't know how much coaches are, but in New York City, everything costs $70 per hour minimum. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So if someone come, if I can get the same thing done for, for by joining a website and, you know, paying a fee, and then I've got the opportunity for someone to rate me, then that sounds like something that at least I would definitely do. Plus it gives Immediately. you Immediately. Yeah. Like yesterday. <laughs> Plus it gives, well, probably before I came really, but... Um, it gives you the ability to, if you're not watching these live feeds, to be able to watch it when you want and play through it when yeah. you want. You know, there's times where, especially if you're on a plane, you might want to download something and watch it while you're, you know, while you're getting ready to fly. Or, you know, there may be times where, where you can't do that. But one of the things that I really want to work towards is being able to do video podcasts. And with that, it's going to take hiring someone that's going to be there you know, hiring someone that's going to do it the right way so that um, when you're listening to a knock-on podcast, you'll also have the ability to watch that. But, um, you know, I still want to offer the audio for free, but I want to offer the, you know, I want to be able to put the video out there for those who are helping actually fund the manpower to make that happen the, the right way and put the time in. But And I can't wait for the fact that people on planes then watch downloaded hunting videos because there's going to be lots of fun on those planes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember... That, um, that old lady is going to be really happy. Yeah, I actually remember coming back from Africa. This was years ago. And I came back from Africa. And this kind of ties into um, one of the subjects that I talked about with Don Jr. is just... The responsibilities we have as hunters to make sure that we really protect the ethics um, and really monitor, self-monitor the types of things that we put out there because they are going in front of the public. And I remember I went to Africa and I shot a few animals that were questionable to the general media. And I remember I had my laptop open mm. and I was like working on photos in Photoshop. And I remember I like looked over and there was this person just like looking at me with these big eyeballs. And I was just sitting there thinking, they're gonna just come and throw their drink right on the top of my computer. And I could be mad about it and I could be, you know, I could stand up and say, well, screw you, this is what, you know, it's mine, whatever. But in reality, um, I need to realize that some things are more sensitive than others. So the really what I needed to do is if I know the person next to me isn't really into that, just don't jam it in their face to the point where it creates 
animosity. Yeah, that's, that's the one fight you can't win and you shouldn't actually have. Right. The I one agree. where you're sitting on a plane and expose the person next to you to things that they find, for whatever reasons, yep. right or wrong, questionable or objectionable, that's just like shut that thing down and move on with your yeah, life. Yeah, because it's going to be a, it's going to be, whether it's two hours or 15 hours. You're going to have to sit next to them. <laughs> you're literally in a tin can. <laughs> it's not, it's not going away. Pick a time and place. <laughs> it's not it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I've got a plane to catch here pretty soon. We got to pick up our bows, cover our targets, and uh, clean up our groceries in here. So, Hey, I appreciate everyone tuning in. Make sure you check out um, Jim Miller on Instagram at Jim Miller Miller underscore one fifty five. Or you can. Do you want people following you, Torsten? They should follow. Everybody should just follow Jim. <laughs> All right, he's much better. You'll see me tag Torsten if you want to follow him. But he's um, he's just a cool dude and typical um, German. He's got he's got his socks tucked in his pants, wears high boots, uh, sometimes has crazy hair, wears a bullet on his necklace, really doesn't give a damn what anyone thinks, and yeah, wears camo through New York every day. So um, you'll find him on my page, and you can follow him if you want to. But thanks, everybody, so much. You guys want to say bye? Yeah, totally. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have fun. Yep, have a good one. All Seems right. Great. See you guys. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.